This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. It has finally felt like fall is coming, at least here in the South. It's what we call false fall, but it still got me super excited. We are here to break down the ACC and uh, maybe one of the last times that's potentially going to happen. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the coming years with conference realignment and everything, uh, but we're not here to talk that. We're here to break down the actual X's and O's. Before we get into our preview, I need to introduce my co-host. My name is Madison. I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, full disclosure, we're doing this earlier than we normally do, and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what I like better. Um, the early morning pod. I feel like I'm uh, I'm, I'm sucking down some coffee right now, trying to get some uh, some energy. Or if uh, or if this is going to come across more energetic than our you know five thirty six o'clock late night after work uh, pods. But excited to jump into the ACC. Have uh, you know some some interesting storylines in this conference. Obviously, uh, the the talk of of the off season for the ACC, or a, at least of late has been, you know, the potential disbandment of this uh, of this conference. Um, but there are some interesting storylines here, some new coaches coming in, um, you know, potentially a resurgence of, uh, of uh, um, you know, a 90s powerhouse. So it's, it's, it's going to be an exciting year for the Atlantic Coast Conference. 90s powerhouse. Come on now. 2013 powerhouse, baby. Yeah, that was a flash in the pan. It doesn't matter, national championships. With all due respect. Yeah, listen, it doesn't do any good to make it to the national championship if you're <laughs> going to lose by uh, 58 points. So, uh, Shots fired. All right, I'll take <laughs> it. When y'all, start, when y'all start one and two, don't be crying to me. One and two. Okay, well. <laughs> that's uh that was interesting schedule that's uh, that's a that's a fascinating case study because they they brought in a couple you know they brought in some big time transfers keon coleman from michigan state all of which you know uh, i expect to make a big impact on this fsu team and they were already a pretty good roster um you know as is but if if you know those first two of those first three weeks are just absolutely brutal having to play lsu and clemson and man you know if if they god forbid do start one and two you know what what is going to be uh the motivation for this team moving forward because it feels kind of like fsu is playoffs or bust this year well to be fair they would be two and two if they lost those two games because there's no way they're losing to southern miss or boston college but point taken that's that they've got a gauntlet of a schedule from the outset and We'll just jump right in, I guess, really quickly and talk Florida State before we get into our little categories we've been talking about because they are the talk of the town right now. It's no secret. And partially this is because of the 24-hour news cycle and social media and stuff. And everybody wants to have a hot take and everybody wants to be first on things. And it's this, it's why the joke is, is Texas back this year? Is Texas back? Texas is back. Texas is back. You saw that people get excited last year with Miami and Mario Cristobal coming in. Oh my gosh, Miami, the U, they're going to be back. They're going to be back. Florida State has kind of been dubbed that team this year. Now, Texas as well, as we talked about in our Pac-12, our Big 12 preview. But Florida State is that team this year that everybody is saying, is this the year that they turn a corner? Are they back? They certainly have the talent. They've got the the um, leadership now, the experienced leadership with Jordan Travis. And Norvell seems to have not only righted the ship after the Willie Taggart uh, experiment gone wrong, but also gotten them headed up to the right direction. Um 
it's going to be interesting. And, and I, quite frankly, ha- being a um, Florida State attendee, can't say I graduated from there, but being an attendee of Florida State, I'm super excited. All jokes aside, 2013 there was a lot of fun. It was my sophomore year. It had a, I had a season under my belt. Uh, you know, I was a little bit more likely to get football tickets. I had a class in the stadium, so I would walk past the trophy case um, every day, and they had a huge screen that showed ESPN. And it was kind of weird to be walking past all this Florida State memorabilia and walking past, you know, they constantly had some kind of college football show going on that screen and waiting outside for the lecture hall to get into class. And they're just that, that, every day. That's all they were talking about is uh, is your team, your 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 college you're attending. Good and bad things. Obviously, there was crab legs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I won't make it a secret. That's my most intriguing team this year, Pierce, for all the reasons and more. Because is this, you know, a team built to live up to the hype? Or is this a media train wanting to have a Cinderella story, wanting to have something to talk about other than Alabama, Georgia? Uh, in the ACC, it's been Clemson's conference for so dang long and they seem to be down a little bit comparatively to what they had um even a few years ago so they're my most intriguing team what do they do with this to your point you start off the season with lsu then you've got two cupcakes in between and then you have to go to clemson to play a team that has the opposite of rat poison right now who has everybody telling them they're done that many many dynasties over Dabo's done he's washed up he's never not gonna have it not gonna have it um, it's, it's very interesting. And then of course you always end the season with them and, and this time they're in Gainesville to play Florida. So there's a chance Pierce that they go and they are, um, you know, 12 and Oh, there's a chance that they end the season and they all have three losses. So I don't really see them losing more than that, but there's a chance they lose all through their big games and we're going, well, okay. It wasn't, they're not really back like we thought they were. So, um, I'm interested, I'm hopeful and I'm interested in uh, FSU this year. Yeah, pretty unfortunate for them that they get Clemson and Florida on the road this year. Um, LSU is a neutral site game. It'll be in Orlando. However, knowing uh, you know SEC fan bases very well, LSU will pack the house. So that'll be more, probably more like a neutral site game, if I had to guess. So uh, unfortunate luck of the draw for FSU this year, getting uh, arguably, arguably their two toughest games outside of LSU uh, on the road. So we'll see how they fare in those contests. Uh, I'm going Miami um, as my intriguing. I wrestled with Louisville as well, um, but who wants to talk about a team who has such a p- pathetic schedule that that's really the only reason why they're going to have a, a potentially successful year and pop um, more than they, they typically do. Um, Miami, you know, let's no make, make no mistake about it. They, they were downright awful last year. Um, you know, Van Dyke came into the season uh, under center with uh, a new OC and, and everything was, you know, coming off a year where he looked really good and I think was a, a dark horse uh, candidate for the Heisman entering last season. And boy, did he take a huge step back. Um, I, I think with the, with the OC departing, um, replacing him with a new one, I, I do think that they'll get back to, uh, to some of the concepts that Van Dyke had success with two years ago. Um, and this team, while not, you know, not as loaded as a Clemson or not as loaded as a Florida State, you know, does always have talent. They, they recruit pretty well, um, for a smaller private school. Um, and, and so they're gonna, the talent is, is gonna be there. Um, I think they need to be a little bit more physical on defense. That, that was another area last year where they struggled. Um, but if they can be a, a little bit more physical, I think Van Dyke returns more to, to, you know, two years ago, Van Dyke 
and they need it. Mario Cristobal is, uh, you know, made the jump from Oregon to to Miami. Um, not surprised that was one of the spots that maybe you know he had he had history there, maybe a spot that he would want to go and try to revive. But in his first year, considering he already had a quarterback that that you know seemed all but proven, um, and and to do what he did last year to really struggle like they did, I know there's a uh, a changing of the guard. You've got to you know get your guys in there, so to speak. But the day and age of, of the transfer portal where you can go get those guys instantly from other programs, um, I, I don't know if that's a great excuse for Mario Cristobal. So my most intriguing team is the Miami uh, Hurricanes this season. I expect them to, to bounce back and, and take uh, you know a step back in the right direction to where they are, you know, an, an eight, um, potentially even nine win team uh, when all is said and done. And, and Mario Cristobal needs it because they keep sliding back. Uh, what, what really is coming down the pipe for them is potentially getting left out of a uh, you know of a big powerhouse conference if the ACC is going to disband like we think they are. Um, it, it, you know, it seems like the big boys are UNC, Clemson, FSU, and um, you might have you know like a UNC thrown in there um, that that would be enticing for you know the SEC or the Big Ten. Um, where does that leave Miami? You haven't heard a lot of love for Miami. So a big year is needed for Miami. I do think they take a step uh, back in the right direction. Yeah, and I can't remember if you 100% touched on this, but they do have new coordinators both on offense and defense. So definitely knew it wasn't working last year. Definitely willing to try something new to try to make it work, whether or not that is the uh, the answer or not. But to your point, uh, I haven't heard any rumors of Miami being looked at to join the SEC and not that the SEC is looking, but it would make more sense, at least from all of our standpoint uh, here in the viewing landscape that Florida State and Clemson would be your next ad. So to your point, then you've just got poor little Miami off to the side. Partially that's because this fan base does not care about that team unless they are winning. So they need to have some life injected back into them. We'll see if uh, these new offensive de- defensive coordinators are the ones to do it. To your point, Tyler Van Dyke was supposed to be, you know, the answer. But they've seemed like they've had a couple of those the past few seasons. It hasn't happened. I'm going to throw one more here, Pierce, because mine was kind of a homer pick. UNC is another one that's intriguing to me. Um, they have one of the best offenses, had, probably will have again, one of the best offenses in college football, but they can't stop nothing on defense. Uh, if they don't go up from what they were last year, then, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you do beyond scrub and start over because listen to this really quick next to last in the ACC in yards allowed per carry last in sacks and last in passing yards allowed and pass efficiency allowed. So they literally couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't get to the quarterback. I mean, it's why we were seeing these basketball type scores for uh, UNC Drake may as an, uh, dark horse for the Heisman, but one of the uh, not-so-secret dark horses for the Heisman because of the numbers he puts up, if they can get a little bit of a defense, I think it's very intriguing. I think it's very interesting to see. I'm not going to put them as a sleeper team because a lot of people have them as one of the top of the conference. Um, but, you know, they are somebody who could look to to ruin some things and and ruins, uh, ruin some seasons for some teams if they get that defense better. So we'll see. Um, All right, let's jump in here with the anticipated game. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm going to go Homer again, but I think that a lot of people feel this way, partially because week one, listen, it's everybody's getting the knocking the rust off. Everybody's getting back into the swing of things. It's most people's cupcakes. Um, You know, George is going to play UT Martin. I'm not going to that game because I don't want to see us play, you know, the backups basically the whole time. Florida State, 
going down to Orlando to play LSU. This is a rematch last year, Pierce. They opened the season against each other last year as well. They'll be doing it again here in Camping World Stadium. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to feel like a reward on Sunday night after the slate of, okay, let's kind of see what these teams are about, but this isn't like they're not big matchups, if that makes sense. And this is going to be a lot of fun. It is, to your point, a a tone setter for both of these teams. We haven't previewed the SEC yet, but it's a tone setter for both of these teams because you start off with a loss on either one of these who are being talked about and have high hopes on the season. Start off with a loss and you know, you got to now you got to figure out how to rally and you really kind of can't afford another one the rest of the season. Meanwhile, the winner of that game is going to have all the momentum in the world going into their schedule. It's it's kind of kind of be like Georgia and Oregon last year. Now, reason being that was so intriguing was because of the fact that Oregon absolutely walloped Oregon. I'm sorry, Georgia walloped Oregon and we everybody's like, oh, OK, like they didn't miss a beat, whatever. This is going to be two people. LSU, are they back? FSU, are they back? Let's put them together. Let's see how it goes. Week one, right off the bat, tone setter. So that's my most anticipating, I should say, game of the season. You're going to also pick an FSU game, if I'm not mistaken, but you're going to wait a couple weeks down the road when they play Clemson, right? Yep, Clemson uh, on the road, um, because I think regardless, you know, if if FSU wins that, then it just heightens, you know, how important that 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 Clemson game is. And if they lose, then it's also very important because you lose that first game against LSU, and you're you're, you're you still got everything out in front of you on the table. Um, you go on the road, you upset a Clemson, and you're right back in the thick of the things, you know, just like that. Um, so it's really important, regardless of, of that of what that first week, uh, you know, what happens, what 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 transpires on the field that night. Um, it is going to be an exciting game, man. I bet the pads are popping, you know, pretty, you know, maybe not uh, super super close in proximity, but fighting for a lot of the same recruits, especially in the Panhandle of Florida and you know Southern Alabama and in Louisiana and just Florida in general. So um, the, the 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 players ought to know themselves well in that game. So the pads will be popping, but I think the Clemson game is massive. Um, you know, you go into that Clemson game. If you're if you've already beaten LSU, then boom, hey, an upset here, and and we could be a top two, uh, three team uh, in the rankings next 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 week with everything on the table, and and not just everything, but really a manageable schedule from then on out. Um, so it's big from that standpoint. If they lose, it's just as big because man. They cannot go down with two losses because this team, like I hit on uh, uh, at the beginning of the show, they do have some transfers coming over. Um, you know, it, it feels like it's this is this is the year that they're supposed to pop. And uh, where will the mindset of the players be if if they do go down with two losses in the first four um, games? Because while we have seen two loss teams sneak in. Um, it, it, it'll be an uphill battle for them. I mean, they have to win with some style points moving forward. Um, and, and, and they certainly would have to, uh, to, to look pretty flawless outside of those two games. In my opinion, um, when you've got some, some secondary teams in the sec, like an Alabama, um, an LSU, you know, considering, uh, Georgia's, you know, the favorite in that conference. So you've got three teams there that are legit contenders. The big 10 has, uh, you know, two and really three this year in Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state. So, um, you know, will Florida state be able to be a second team from the conference to get in? It can, if they have two losses, I'm not sure if that that if they could pull that off. So, uh, crucial crucial start to the year this year for Florida State um, in the game that you mentioned, and then I think it's what week four um, when they go on the road to Clemson. It's a tall tall ask, but man, if they can split, you know, those two games, they can go one and one. Um, everything is still out there in front of them, and they, and you know, hey, their dreams uh, at the end of the season might be fulfilled. 
from a rivalry perspective too, Pierce, these are two teams that really are the cream of the crop of the conference. Let's be honest here. Like when it comes to football, these two schools, they just recruit better. They've got the money. They've got the facilities, all that, and are serious about it. FSU hasn't beat Clemson in seven years. It's a long time. That is a long wow. time when you have to play this team every single year and you're watching them win national championships. Uh, there's going to be a lot of blood in, uh, or they're going to be seeing, rather, there's going to be a lot of blood uh, that night. And I am excited. I'm assuming it's a night game. Uh, I was considering going to it. You know, Clemson's not very far from Hero, Atlanta. And uh, I thought about getting tickets and going on up there for the day. But oh my gosh, the get in price for that game is atrocious because everybody's so excited for it. So uh, that won't be happening. I'll be watching from my couch, which will be a lot cooler. I'm not complaining. Um, all right, let's move it over here, Pierce, to the hottest seat slash the most to prove. Um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have this. Nothing jumped out in this conference to me for either of these. Um, you've got a lot of newer coaches, so I don't think any of them are on the hot seat just yet. Uh, I do think that potentially your most intriguing Miami could be one that has a lot to prove because of the fact that you went and you got new offensive defensive coordinators. At this point, if they don't succeed, you start looking at the big guy in charge and you start going, okay, Mario, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Um, but really, honestly, I think it's going to come down to who I think, and spoiler alert, they're going to be my worst team in the conference. It's going to come down to Virginia. Uh, they are not anticipated to do very well. They've got a tough schedule. They've got to start versus Tennessee in Nashville. They've got James Madison, who is nothing to scoff at, quite frankly. Then they go to Maryland. They could start off 0-3 to start the season. NC State, there's a fourth potential loss at Boston College. Boston College is not going to be very good, so that could be a toss-up, but you are there in Chestnut Hill. William Mary's a win. North Carolina, that's a loss. Miami's a loss. Georgia Tech, it's at home. Maybe that's a win. At Louisville's a loss. Duke's a loss. Virginia Tech to end the season at home. That could potentially be a win. I've got three. And those are maybes, maybes on whether or not they could win those games. The rest are all going to be losses unless something miraculous happens. And I don't foresee it happening. So I think they've got a lot to prove. Um, again, spoiler alert, I don't think that they're going to get it done. And so they're my worst team of the conference as well. Uh, but Tony Elliott was hyped. He was very hyped coming in here. Um, they did have that. They only got to play 10 games last year. They had that horrific tragedy at the end of the season with the shooting deaths of two uh, teammates. So maybe there's some, you know, emotional uh, motivation for them heading into the season. Not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, they've got, they've got a lot to prove there. If they just get markedly better, they don't have to do anything crazy. You don't even have to be bowl eligible. Just go win one game you shouldn't win. And I think that that's an improvement. Um, based on what everybody's thinking is going to happen. I just don't think they're going to be very good. I think we're looking at a potentially a two-win team here from the Cavaliers. Uh, you are going to switch it up a little bit here. Talk about your hot seat and most proof. Yeah, you hit on it already. It's it's Miami. Um, when you look at this conference, um, <clears throat> you at the top of the list. You got Clemson, FSU, and Pitt. All those coaches, you know, barring a, a, a dramatic fall from grace this season, are all fine. I think that North Carolina could be much of the same. Um, and you got a lot of new coaches in this conference. Louisville with a new coach. Duke with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mike. Um, not, I think it's Mike Elko. Um, you know, going into a second season, having a great, you know, freshman campaign. Um, Clawson's pretty good there at Wake Forest and secure. Dino Babers is an interesting one. Um, Boston College, Jeff Halfley, I guess, could be an interesting one. But Virginia Tech, you know, you got a, a, a second year coach here. 
I don't see Virginia Tech busting on him too quick um, and, and getting rid of him, even even though I do think they're going to struggle this year. And Georgia Tech's on a brand new coach as well. So really it came down to Miami and Virginia, which who you took. Um, my, my reasoning for Miami is I think that they realize that they need a bounce back year in the, in the worst way possible. Because like I hit on um, in my most intriguing team with Miami, I mean, man, they if they they could be left at the altar here with all this realignment talk. And if they don't have a, a you know, they might need to cash in on a couple big seasons here in order to, to, to look more enticing. Um, and so if they struggle this year, if they have a loss like they did last year to <laughs> Middle Tennessee State, if they miss out on a bowl. Um, you know, it's only going to hurt recruiting. It's only going to hurt public image. I know they're a big brand um, from a national perspective. Uh, maybe not. They don't have the alumni base, obviously, that a lot of these big programs have. But, you know, it's a very it's a big national brand. Um, and if they don't do well this year, I could see Cristobal getting the axe quicker than maybe Miami would have liked uh, simply because they need to win and they need to win now because they need to figure out how to position best position themselves for a potential move. If that's uh, if it indeed goes that way. So I've got Miami and uh, Mario Cristobal um, as my most uh, intriguing, but also uh, coach on the hot seat. Um, all right, let's hit your let's let's hit you. I'm going to have you hit him with your dudes of the ACC. Man, this is a fun conference to do. Um, you know, the Pac-12, uh, you know, they have some dudes, but, it, you know, not not too many that are household names in the, from, a, um, you know, from a nationwide standpoint. Um, obviously, they have the Heisman Trophy winner, but this has some dudes. I, I, maybe it's because I follow recruiting closely and being in the southeast, you know, so a lot of these guys do kind of hail from these areas. But um, first and foremost, a great, uh, great Trio really actually you got four pretty solid quarterbacks. Drake May leads the list there. He's uh that dude has everything um you know to play for to, to he's he's gonna have every chance to go number one. Um I think it's next year in the draft. I think he's eligible after this year. Um and I fully expect him to. Um he's got all the tools that you're looking for in a uh, an elite QB. Trey Benson, uh running back at Florida State's one, um, as is Johnny Wilson. A big, massive wide receiver transferred over from Arizona State last year to uh, Arizona, to Florida State. Had a solid season last year um, after really not showing a whole heck of a lot at Arizona State. Has rejuvenated his career. Looks to to you know expound on that great season last year um, and really have a uh, put a stamp on this uh, this FSU season. Um, Jared Verse, FSU. Are you sensing a trend? There's a lot of dudes on this Florida State team. I could talk about Keon Coleman too. Um, Jared Verse certainly at the top from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Tyler Davis at Clemson, a great D tackle. Barrett Carter um, was a freshman last season for Clemson, started most of those games. Um, that dude's going to be a baller, could be one of the best linebackers in the country this year when all is said and done. Um, and then uh, and, and James Williams is another one that I love. There's a ton on here. I could, I could list probably – a hundred different players that are absolute dudes, but um, James Williams really kind of fits the bill of a dude. He is a six, three, six, four safety um, was a highly uh, thought af- sought after recruit down there in South Florida. Um, you know, your Georgia's your Alabama's your Florida's they all wanted this kid ended up uh, taking, he actually um, ended up taking the Miami offer. Really? I think it was uh, COVID when he was being recruited and wasn't able to take a lot of his visits being from there. Um, the hurricanes were able to nab him and get him on campus a couple of times uh, despite COVID, um, you know, limiting travel since he lived right around the corner. And that guy is going to wow some people this year with his size and skill. Really kind of reminds me of a Cam Chancellor type. So um ton of great dudes. Oh, and Jaheim Bell for Florida State. The transfer tied in from uh, South Carolina really um, helped South Carolina and propel them to a, 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 a 
solid into their season, upsetting Tennessee and upsetting Clemson. Um, he even was, he's athletic enough to where even at his six, four size was playing running back at times for South Carolina. He now transfers over to Florida state. We'll see how he fits in there, but the dude's, um, Dude's a prolific athlete, um, so ought to to be a, a very special season down there for him in Tallahassee. Did you mention Cade Clubneck, or did I miss that one? I know you hit uh, the other two big. I ones. did not. You know, um, he could certainly be up there. I mean, uh, this is actually good. a sneaky good quarterback conference. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, Jordan Travis, Riley Leonard at Duke. Don't forget about him. He had a really good season last year. Um, people are really high on him as a prospect too, uh, potentially for the next level. We'll see how he progresses. So a great quarterback conference. And Klubnik could, when all is said and done, be at the top of this list too um, if he takes that, that, that jump from freshman to sophomore season. Everybody is certainly hopeful, and he's going to need to be good, at least better than DJ Uyunglele in order for them to make that jump because DJ was supposed to be this big, huge, oh my gosh, he's the next, I mean, not to be all Hawaiian of me, but uh, he's supposed to be the next Tua. And uh, he he was not that great for him. So he's over at Oregon State now. They're hoping Kate Klubnik is the next dude for them. Uh, let's move on here, Pierce, to our predictions, kind of. We're not necessarily naming, um, you know, what we think is going to be the conference championship or anything like that, but here's our best team of the conference, I'm going to go Clemson. I think you are too. I, I just really honestly, to your point, I don't think FSU gets both LSU to start the season and Clemson. There's a chance they get neither. There's a chance they get both. I don't think that's the case. I think that they beat LSU. I think that they didn't have those two cupcakes, and I think they turn around. I think Clemson gets it done at home. It's not an easy place to play. Uh, they do <laughs> – I think it's one of the weirdest, most gimmicky things that in, in college football, but they do run down that hill, and they have that weird entrance where they bust the people up, and they love it. The crowd loves it. They know FSU is coming in, and they're going to see red. I don't think this is necessarily a Tennessee beating Alabama for the first time in 16 years type uh, win if it does happen, but it is one that they are excited about. I just don't think Clemson lets it happen. I think that FSU's got to wait till next year when they have home field advantage to get it done. So I think Clemson goes and uh, potentially I'm not, I'm not going, I haven't picked my playoff teams yet. It's a little too early for me, even though we're like two weeks out. Well, we haven't finished these previews. That's, that's really why, but, but I don't know if I have Clemson making the playoffs, but I do think at the end they're the uh, standing at the top of the ACC yet again uh, for the Clemson Tigers. I think you're going the same. Yeah, I'm going Clemson. Um, they returned 15 starters off last year's team. Um, one of those, really, I don't even think you're counting Kate Klubnick because he didn't start for the majority of the season. Um, so it's almost like you're getting 16 starters back um, with Klubnick. Um, I mean, Will Shipley at running back. I'm not the biggest Will Shipley fan, but you can't doubt his, um, you know, his athleticism and his um, the stats that he has put up. Um, he's a very capable running back. Um, you know, looking to see how that offensive line is this year. That's kind of been their Achilles heel the last couple of years. Um, but with 15 returning starters, they get FSU at home. You know, maybe they get tripped up once, um, you know, by, you know, I don't know if they play a pit or, or Miami, North Carolina, maybe they slip up, you know, throughout the season, um, to a team that they shouldn't, where they're just kind of sleepwalking, but I don't see them losing to, to, to South Carolina at the end of the season, like they did last year. I think they'll be ready for that one, um, looking for revenge. So yeah, I think this Clemson team, you know, I think this Clemson team's probably going 11 and 1, 10 and 2 at the worst. Um, you know, barring some crazy, uh, crazy scenario, I think this team has a very, very good chance to make the playoffs, um, especially being in a weaker conference, um, not having to, you know, really get in some of their tougher games at home this year. So, um, I look, I look for Clemson to kind of be in that picture, um, all the way through the end of the season. 
I agree with you there. Let's slip over to our worst team. I've already said it, so I won't beat a dead horse here, but I've got Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on off-field for them still. On-field is going to be atrocious as well. Forgot to mention that their uh, record-setting quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, is now the QB for NC State, so they'll be bringing in an FCS transfer at the helm. Uh, not only that, but they have top four wide receivers gone. Their entire offensive line basically has to be rebuilt. Offensively, that's going to be really bad. Um Defense should be a little bit better, but you got to be able to put up points with their gauntlet of a schedule. It's just not looking good for Virginia. I've only got them at like two wins. So they're going to be the worst of the conference. And I think Tony Elliott doesn't get fired by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I mean, God, that that poor man, that poor man is getting put through it. You know, sadly, I think, I think, uh, you know, you can wrestle with the fact, well, you, you got to give him a couple more years because of the tragedy last year. It wasn't like he inherited a, a an elite team necessarily, but he did inherit Brennan Armstrong. And, and to see the regression that Brennan Armstrong made last year, obviously they had lost their offensive coordinator um, going into that offseason last year. So Tony Elliott brings in a new offensive coordinator. Tony Elliott also, I believe, calls plays. He was all OC at Clemson, um, just didn't mesh with Brennan Armstrong. That scares me a little bit. If you can't design plays around your quarterback skill sets, then I think you're you're in a tough spot um, because you're just trying to find the quarterback that will. So instead of recruiting the best talent, you're recruiting for a need uh, uh, to fail your offense. Um, I, I don't like that strategy. I, I also am not sure if Tony Elliott, I think he kind of, you know, you got to take that job. That's a, that's a solid job as your first head coaching gig, but I'm not sure he was quite ready, to be honest. I think a couple more years at Clemson would have done him wonders. Um, and, you know, coming off that horrendous tragedy last year, I think they're they're in for such a bad year. I, I almost think because of that tragedy, you almost just need to reset, just reset everything. So in a way, I think he's kind of a dead man walking this year, unfortunately. Um, I think he, uh, you know, he's going to try his best. They lose Brennan Armstrong. They've got you know, FCS transfer coming in that didn't really work out all that well for Virginia tech last year, bringing over. Um, I think it was Marshall or ODU's uh, quarterback. He really struggled. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, and, and, and to not have an offensive line to put him behind. Um, like you said, all those starters left, they return, I believe just 13 starters off last year's team. Um, which is ironically better than last year. Tony Elliott only brought back 10 um, of the 22. So uh, while they return three more starters this year, they lose some really key position players uh, in, in big spots. So, yeah, I think it's a tough one. I wrestled with Virginia Tech and uh, Georgia Tech as well. But uh, I, I think that they have a little more juice and will you know be able to sneak up on a couple teams um, and, and compete. I, I just don't see Virginia being able to do that this year. Um, I mean, when you have a, a, a guy like Brennan Armstrong who transfers out of your program, um, things, things certainly, in my opinion, aren't looking great um, for, for your prospect as a head coach. So I think Virginia is the uh, bottom dwellers of the ACC, sadly, um, because, you know, they – gosh, just what? Four or five years ago, we're, uh, we're in the ACC championship. So uh, quick fall from grace for the Cavaliers. Well, let's talk about where that quarterback transfer to, where Brennan Armstrong is now. He is going to be replacing Devin Leary at NC State. That's my sleeper team of this conference peers. I don't think they're going to necessarily make too much waves per se. Um, they don't necessarily have a schedule that sets up for like, Oh my gosh, they took down this team and this team and this team. Uh, they do get Clemson. They do get Notre Dame, but I really think that they're one that we look up and we go, okay, like that went better than we thought that was going to go. Uh, you would think you lose in Devin, Devin Leary. He's now at Kentucky, but you bring in Brendan Armstrong. Not only that, but they're bringing in 
uh, offensive coordinator Robert Anaye. I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, but he's coming from Virginia as Anai. well. Anay. Anay. Uh, he's coming from uh, UVA as well, and so they clicked there. Let's see if they can click here in Raleigh. Um, I like the Wolfpack to to be one of those teams where at the end of it we go, you know, they were expected to be worse than they are. So they're not necessarily – I don't think there's anybody who's set up in this conference to be like, holy crap, we didn't see you know Wake Forest a few years ago when they, when they were at the top of the conference. I don't think we have anything set up to be like that per se, but I do think NC State is one that could be like, okay, look at them. They were like fourth best in the conference. Um, even though I don't think anybody's expecting that because of the step back that they're taking. So NC State's my official pick. What about yours? Uh, mine, I'm going one step below yours, uh, but kind of right in that middle of the pack range. And this one le- less has less to do with the fact that I think they're going to be uber talented and more so that they're just their schedule lines up for a good season. Um, and that is the Louisville Cardinal. Um, if you look at their schedule, they have, I think it's, the easiest schedule in all of D1 football. Um, obviously, they do bring in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, because they're kidding. playing the ACC and not the SEC. But, you know, somewhat comparable. But um, I don't know if they had a team dropped like Georgia had Oklahoma dropped once Oklahoma a couple years ago announced um, that they were joining the SEC. The SEC stepped in and, and asked both programs to to cancel those games because that eventually they'd be playing in the same conference and will team up um, and, and get a couple games on the books. Not sure if that's the case with Louisville, um, but you got Jeff Brom coming over uh, from from Purdue. Um, you know he, he's a Louisville guy. He, he's going to put his heart and soul into that program. Um, they did bring in some pretty good transfers, and you know Louisville is a program that doesn't recruit great, but doesn't you know will surprise you as well. They'll they'll sneak in some good players um, over the years. They they've they've been able to sneak out a couple players here or there. Um, you know that you're like, huh, interesting. How'd they get that guy away from? you know, Miami or an FSU or Clemson or an Auburn, you know. So um, I, I do think that they've got a little bit of talent there. I think um, Brown will do a good job in his first year. And with those transfers coming over, um, there is pressure, obviously, with this, you know, easier than normal schedule. There is pressure on them to to go out and, and run the table. Um, and I'm not saying they're going to run the table and, and, and win the ACC and get into the playoffs. But uh, their schedule is that easy that they ought to go, you know, eight, nine wins um, and, and bounce back after, you know, a, a little bit of a rougher schedule last year, a rougher uh, slate last year. Um, and their coach ended up leaving them for Cincinnati of all places. So um, I, I think you'll see Brom, uh, you know, do some, do some good things this year. I see this team, um, you know, kind of surprising some people and, uh, you know, getting eight or nine wins potentially if, uh, if they can stay healthy and if they can all stay motivated, even after a, a loss or two um, on the schedule. Well, there you go. There you have it. That is our ACC preview. A little bit longer with this one uh, than the other ones, but that's okay. We had a lot to talk about here. Uh, follow us on social media at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you agree with, what you don't agree with, what you think we're idiots about, all of that nature. I know you guys will. Um, what do we got? Big 10 next, I think. Big 10 next. I mean, granted, these are going to get released basically right after the, the one after boys. another. So just listen to all the other ones. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure that you like all that stuff to the podcast. I can't even think. We're, I'm so rusty, Pierce. I can't even think what to, I usually tell them to do at the end. Just go do all the things. 
Hey, I think it's the morning. I think it's the morning because you, 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 you started throwing some zingers at me at the beginning of the podcast, and I'm so out of it. I didn't even know how to respond. So I've gotten into the flow of it as we've gone on. But um, no, I, I think it might be just the morning pods. You know, we both are, uh, you know, have been working this morning and 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 have things on our mind. So um, I think it's more the morning and less about uh, about the rustiness because I know what we're both excited and and can't wait for next week. Pierce acts like we're recording at 4.30 a.m. It is 12.36 p.m. in Atlanta, Georgia, meaning it is 11.36 a.m. in Nashville. That's not that That's not that morning. Uh, I started at 10.45. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. We will see you guys next time. Until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all. <laughs>